What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us today, again, whether you're checking out the church, whether you're here because you got family members getting baptized, whether you've been coming for a couple of weeks, we just want to say welcome. Uh, I know that everybody who calls Victory Church their home is glad you're here. Come on, let's put our hands together. We're glad you're here. Uh, just a couple of quick things before we get into the Word. Obviously, as we're promoting it, this is the last time to sign up for Marriage Conference, and so I want you to come on and do that. Um, Darla and I are going to be able to just kind of get up here. We, we like it because it's going to be an uh, opportunity for us to be very vulnerable, to be very specific as we talk about marriage only, and as we spend time together, we'll have time uh, that we maybe don't get on a Sunday morning. Again, if you're newer, it's a great time to come, and uh, let's connect, and let's get to know each other. But I think you're going to leave here really encouraged. Uh, we're going to laugh. We'll probably cry a little bit. Um, but it's just going to be a great time. we got teams that are working really hard to just make everything ready, uh, whether it's something to do with children or food or anything. And so it's just going to be a great time. Again, the, the itineraries on the poster in the, in, out there in the lobby, if you want to know what's it going to look like, you can go check it out. Uh, we just love to have you. It's our very first marriage conference. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Um, and so, so many more to come and great things. Uh, I always like for a moment, first of all, just to say thank you to every person that is giving to Victory Church, every person who tithes, every person that gives offerings. Um, not only are we able to do what you see here every Sunday, we're able to put on just great ministry. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we talked about the renovations we did, and we're still loving our brand new stage and everything. But we also do things outside of the four walls. And so uh, I told you last week that we're, we're closing up what we did for Convoy of Hope. We gave over 45 water filters. Come on, isn't that incredible? That's incredible. Um, and we're going to turn our attention to literacy here in a couple of weeks, but something that we got going on that I want to open up to you in regards to if you'd like to be a part of it in serving or if you want to be a part of it in helping with food. So we have a partnership with a domestic abuse shelter in Murfreesboro, and we helped give uh, 40 Christmas gifts. Was that right? 40? Yeah, 40 Christmas gifts uh, this past Christmas through that shelter. And one of the things, we're going to partner again with the YMCA in the upcoming weeks, February 28th, and we're going to serve them dinner. And so we're going to prepare dinner, and we're going to come to the shelter, and we're going to just serve them, love on them, feed them. And again, it's just an opportunity for us to say, hey, somebody loves you, somebody cares about you, and we just want to give of our time. So it's very limited. There's only a few volunteers we can have go to that because we don't want to overwhelm anybody. But there are ways to give through food, through finances. And so do me a favor. If you're interested in being involved in that, I can only announce it this week and uh, next week, really. Then if you're interested, find me, find one of the team members you see up here, Zoe, Brian, some Somebody, uh, find one of us out in the lobby and let us know that you're interested and we'll give you more details. Amen? Amen. Um, I want to share this real quick. Uh, I was thinking, I wrote this down on my phone this past week. We are uh, a little over two months into 2023, a little over two months. And here's what we've done as a church, okay? We have done 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've had our very first prayer and worship night. We've celebrated our five-year birthday party. We have uh, given over 45 water filters to Convoy of Hope. We have launched nine small groups. We were about to have our very first marriage conference, and then we will partner and feed the Domestic Abuse Center in two months, guys, in two months. Like, if that doesn't get you excited, then I don't know what's going to get you excited. You know what I mean? Like, God's doing some great things, and so we just want to encourage you. If you want to start giving, if you want to start getting connected, you heard on the video, you get slides, just text to connect, text to give. Get involved. Be, be a part of the family. I think the best thing about church is the friends and the family that you make while you attend a church. And so we want to be that for you. Uh, we got the opportunity last night to go sit and have dinner with a new couple of the church. And uh, we, we left and we were like, they already feel like family. Like we already feel like we've known them for 20 years. And I think that's what happens a lot of times here at Victory. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also want to say what's up to all of our online viewers. We got online viewers. We got, did y'all know we got a small group in Clarksville, Tennessee? Come on. How awesome is that? And so we got people that can't come here on Sundays, but they're watching every week and then they're gathering to talk about the sermon. And so y'all just better get ready. We're taking over the world. You know what I mean? We're taking over the world. And then, <laughs> you know, anyway, all right. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Nehemiah. We got to get into scripture before I get off the rails too much. The book of Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. I want you to turn to chapter nine. As you're turning there, the book of Nehemiah is about a man named Nehemiah, 
and God lays it on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that the people can move back into that area and have their houses and live in freedom. And so the whole book of Nehemiah is him getting that process, gathering team members, rebuilding this wall. Uh, and it's just a phenomenal book. And so we've been pulling different principles at it every, uh, every Sunday. We'll finish it next Sunday. So next Sunday will be our last sermon uh, out of the book of Nehemiah. And we'll start a brand new series that will lead us up into Easter called This Is Also True. Uh, it's going to be a pretty awesome series. It'll lead us right into Easter. But uh, today, I want to talk about something that I, I think is going to be really interesting, especially after that incredible worship time. Y'all enjoy that? Come on, put it together for our band, the worship team. Incredible. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Uh, I'll read to about verse 6, and then we'll jump into it. So it says, on the 24th day of the same month, you can look at this in your Bible uh, on, on our app. You have our notes on our app or just on your phone. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. That's going to be important in a minute. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in the stairs of the Levites. Uh, I'm sorry. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and their sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day, and they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were Yahshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunny, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani. I don't know, guys. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, only so much college can teach you these words, all right? Uh, there's no Johns and Aprils and, you know, Tonys and all that. So they cried out with the loud voices to the Lord, their God, and the Levites. Here we go again. Yeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pathiah, all the ayahs, all right? Everybody's there. And here's what they said. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and it may be exalted above all blessing and praise, for you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all of their starry host, the earth and that that is on, that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. The sermon of my title today is Worship is Weird, all right? I want to break this down a little bit. Um, before we get into that, I, I got to share this with you guys. Y'all know I do my best to get involved in the community, uh, and obviously we were in Rutherford County for four or five years. We've just recently moved to Antioch, and so we're, we're moving a lot of our partnerships and trying to connect more and more, but we haven't left the Smyrna area. We still believe in Rutherford County. We believe that we can be impactful in both. And so I just stay in all of these community uh, engagements and, and circles. And so uh, one, of my, one of my favorite partners is Hodge Patterson at the YMCA. I've shared that with you guys. He's the executive director of the Y. And we do a lot together. And so one of our agreements was every time you go to a meeting, take me. And every time I go to a meeting, I'll take you. And it just helps us get to know everybody in the community. And so a couple weeks ago, he reaches out to me and says, hey, you want to go to this meeting with me? And I said, yep, I'll be there. And so we meet in the parking lot and we go into it together. And it's one of these meetings where they provide food. So there's like a buffet. And so we're walking through, we're getting our food and me and him are talking vision about, you know, different food literacy, different things that we can uh, partner with. And we go into the meeting and there's, I don't know, probably 10 tables with about six people. So there's probably about 60 people in the room, packed room. Uh, there's microphones where people can talk and we go and we pick this table. It's me and him and three, four guys I've never met before. And we sat down and we're eating and me and him are still kind of talking through some strategy. And we're probably about 10 or 15 minutes into eating. And all of a sudden, I promise y'all, I'm sitting there eating my food. And all of a sudden you hear, bing. And when that ding happens, everybody stands up. And I had never been before. So I was like, what is happening right now? Like, is this a cult? Like, you know, I don't know. And so everybody stands up and they start reciting this, this, this saying that they all have. And I am so lost. I, I'm not sure if I'm about to be sacrificed or like, I don't know, Hodge has set me up. You know, I don't know what's going on. And this is the best part. I look at Hodge like, you know, what's happening? Am I going to die? And he's just got this grin from ear to ear. And after it's all over, he goes, I purposely didn't tell you about it because I just wanted to see how you reacted when it happened. And I was like, that's just wrong. You know what I mean? Like, you just set me up in a scenario um, where I honestly, y'all, I was freaked out. Okay, let's just be honest. It was, it was weird. And I bring that up because here's the truth. Anytime that something is unfamiliar for us, anytime that you and I lack 
understanding. It's very easy for us to dismiss our situation and just label it weird, right? Anytime something happens that you don't completely understand, maybe you don't have all the information, maybe you've never been there before. Now, when we go back to that meeting, I, I can't wait for the ding. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to stand up quick and be like, uh, da, uh, da, uh, like I'm a part of the crew, you know? Um, <laughs> But if you don't know it, it can be a little weird. And so, for example, um, I've shared with you guys before that Brian, the guy who comes up here with Zenobia and does announcements, he, he was the first person to ever invite me to church. And so we met in high school, and um, he, was, he was a believer. He was going to church, and he said, man, they play basketball. There's pretty girls. I was like, sign me up. Let's go. That sounds like the Lord. And I had never been to church <laughs> I, it is. Uh, I had never been to church in my life. I, I, ne- I didn't even know what church was, really, outside of funerals. And so he, he brings me to the youth group, and the youth group was, was hopping. It, it was hot. I don't know what the kid's word is today. It, it, it was, what is it? Not hopping? All right. It was hopping, young folks. You know? um, it's not hopping. Thanks, Leona. Uh, and so, so, so it, there was probably 150, 200 kids in this building. The youth pastor was awesome. And so we walk in the back of this building. We were a little late. And we walk in, and the lights are off, and there's smoke, you know what I mean? And all of these people, there's worship going on. And everywhere you look, you got kids down on their knees, and their hands are lifted in the air. You got other kids who, you know, they're just like, you know, all up in the air, worshiping. You got kids who are walking around, singing loud. You got kids, they were doing this thing right here. I mean, you know, it's just a weird, I mean, when do you ever do that, right? Where is there ever another time in life where you do this? <laughs> Never. You know what I, mean? I don't know. It's not in the Bible. Like, I don't, we just think, I don't know what to do. I'm white, so we just gonna jump, <laughs> you know, because you can't do the stinky leg in church, so we got to jump, you know what I mean? Um, but but I, I, walked, I was so freaked out. I, I didn't know what was going on. I had never been there. And, and Brian, to the grace of himself, he didn't go, you know, he, he, that's how he worshiped, but he didn't go into it. He was very sensitive to me, and, you know, he was kind of watching me, making sure, because if he had left me, I don't know what I would have done, you know what I mean? And it was just, it was crazy. It was, it, was, it was weird, is what it was, all right? Now, I want you to understand that there are many forms that we can worship God. I think a lot of us, when we hear the the term worship, we assume worship is the aspect of singing, right? Or we may even say, well, it's that 15, 20 minutes of church where they do some music. Like, that's, that's worship. And it is worship. Um, one of probably the most common ways that you and I worship is through song. You know, we might have a worship playlist on Spotify. But you can also worship God through serving. Uh, you can worship God through our giving, you know, anytime that we tithe and give towards God, that's worshiping God. Anytime we serve on a dream team, that's worshiping God. Anytime we share the gospel, anytime we love people, like there are all, there's so many different ways to worship God. But, but I do want to kind of focus on this singing aspect because a lot of us, that's where it kind of gets weird the most. Now, I will say this, regardless of which form of worship we're talking about, serving, giving, singing, they're all a little strange if we don't understand why. Like, you could be talking to a friend and and say, let me get this straight. You get up at 6 a.m. on Sunday and drive to a church to do a sound check? That's strange. That'd be strange to them if they don't understand why, right? Like, you give 10% of your money to God through the church? Like, that's, that's, that's weird. Again, any form, you stand there with your, you do this, right? <laughs> take, take, take it all. Y'all don't know about that. Oh, bring it back to classics today, baby. Y'all better get ready. Uh, it can be weird. You know what I mean? Just, it can be strange if you, don't, if you don't understand why. I don't have any problem under, or explaining to people why I give to the Lord. I don't have any problem explaining to people why I serve. I don't have any problem explaining to people why I'm involved with community or share the gospel or love people or worship because I know why I do it. And so it kind of helps the explanation. But let me ask y'all a question, especially anybody who's visiting for the first time or you're here because your family's getting baptized. What would, what would you have done if you'd have walked in these back doors today, right, come into this auditorium, and, you know, worship kicks off, and they start playing, and people gr- start grabbing their purses and backpacks, and they start pulling out these burlap sacks, you know what I mean? They shake them off and put them on over their clothes, and then we start passing around these bowls of dirt, and we're just like, here you go, this is yours. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Throw it in your face. Like, say what? Like, just, just throw it in your face. Like, I'm pretty sure some of y'all have been like, you know, baptism or not, we're out of here. We'll wait in the lobby. Let us know when they're done. But this is what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 9. 
when it opened up, what did it say? They had these sackcloths on, and they're taking handfuls of dirt, and they're throwing it in their face, and that's the way they worship God. So for us to just look at it, kind of an outside looking in aspect, it's weird, right? It's, it's not just weird, it's crazy. You know, it's a level up from weird. Weird can still be like, okay, crazy is like, you need medical attention. And something's going on here. And so, but, but to them, it made perfect sense because it was common in their culture. Here's what it meant. To them, it was a way of lowering themselves under God. It was a way of them displaying that we don't deserve to be on a level with God. We are less than God. So the attitude and the heart behind it is good because I think we all should be humble in that aspect of, you know, we, 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 we bow to God. But that was just a weird way of doing it. And honestly, worship, this is what worship is. Worship, and I'm going to get really deep into this in a little bit, but if, if we're not sure on why we do it, if we don't have a clear understanding, it can really come off odd. And the Christian life can actually be dwindled down, I believe, to our daily struggle over what and how we worship. And the truth is to me that if we don't understand why we worship, when we look at worship, we can consider it a waste. If we don't understand why we worship, we'll even treat a worship time and a service like, man, we just need to hurry up and get over with this, right? Or like, I'll just come after worship's over because we don't understand it. We don't understand why we're doing it. And so we can start to view it as always, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to serve. We start to kind of push it over as a waste, but here's the real problem. We don't understand why we do it to begin with. And once I think we have that full understanding as to why, I think it's different on how often we do it. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about, for a moment, why do we worship? Why do we worship? Like, we don't, like, we can't worship just because that's the order of service of the church. You know what I mean? You can't be like, well, why do you worship? Like, I don't know. That's what they do the first part of the service. So I do it too, because I don't know what else to do because they won't let me leave. You know what I mean? Like, so I, it just is what it is. You know, I just have to do it. Uh, let's talk about why. First, before we get into that, let's go to scripture real quick in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Watch this. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Let the, how many of y'all are a part of the whole earth? Anybody in here part of the whole earth? All right. Some of y'all ain't going to participate on that. I mean, you can't go wrong there. If, if you're not, then I'm really afraid. So let the whole earth sing the Lord. Watch this. Each day proclaim the good news that he what? Saves. Right off the bat, why are we singing to the Lord? Because he saved me. And if we, if, if we don't believe that we needed to be saved, then it'll be hard for us to ever be able to submit to worship. It's a moment where we recognize we need saving that helps us understand why we worship. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everybody what he's doing. He's doing great things. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Watch this. Great is the Lord. Great is thy faith. Right. Some of y'all have been to church before. Okay. <laughs> great is the Lord, for he is most worthy of praise. What that's letting us know is that we worship God for who God is. We worship God for what he does. But, but here's, my, here's my soapbox, if you would. The goal in understanding worship isn't to develop a cookie-cutter form of how we worship, but instead to develop a unified understanding of why we worship. Let me say it again. The goal of this sermon, as well as the goal, I think, of any message about worship isn't to kind of put out this cookie-cutter form of, well, if you want to worship God, you do it like this. That would be wrong because we have a lot of different cultures and a lot of different age groups and a lot of different stages of life. And so nothing is cookie-cutter. That's never the goal. The goal is not to say, here's how you worship. Hands, 90, I don't know what 90 degrees is, but hands straight out. Y'all ever seen that comedian that's like, you know, you can carry the couch, Y'all ever seen that one? You know, do all these different, which one's touchdown, which one's the right one to be. A, it's, there's not a cookie cutter way to worship. But what we can do is we can arrive at a unified understanding of why we worship. And so while one person may be on their knees crying, 
And the other person may be standing there with their hands in their pocket. The, the, the concept of what they're doing is different, but their heart behind it is the same. And, and I remember in Memphis, there was this guy on the worship team, and he often led worship. And every time he spoke, it made me cringe. And I'll explain to you why. I, I think he meant well. I really do. But, but his... His, the way, his demeanor, the things he would say, they came off way more condemning than they came off celebratory. And um, I, I've, I've, I've built my entire ministry off believing that everybody is in a different season of life and that God is doing something unique and different in every person's life and that nothing God does is cookie cutter the same. And so if you're not careful, if you let that kind of belief get in you, you'll start saying things that to one person goes, yeah, and the other person feels condemned. And you have to be careful of that. And so I remember I would be on the front row getting ready to preach, and he would get up, and he'd be singing, and, you know, and I'd be like, we'd make it through a song, and I'd be like, whoo, yeah, okay. Because it wasn't my, you know, I couldn't, you know, anyway. And so we'd get to the next song, and all of a sudden, he'd stop and start talking. I'd go, no, God, not again. Get him. Like, smite him on the stage. <laughs> like, strike him with lightning on this. And here was his favorite thing to say, guys. He would say, uh, you know, I was watching a Lakers basketball game last night, and everybody in the audience was jumping up and shouting for Kobe Bryant. And if we can shout for a basketball game and a player who doesn't even know who we are, then we can shout for God. And people were like, yeah. And I get it. Like, I get it. I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone. Because a lot of times the, our hesitancy to worship isn't that we don't want to worship God. We're just, a, a, you know, it's a little weird. <laughs> I don't know this person beside me. I don't normally scream and shake and put my hands up, so why am I going to do it now? Uh, you know, cussing my kids out on the way to church. I don't really feel like I'm in the mood. You know, like, give me, a, give me a couple songs and then I'll be there. You know what I mean? But he would say those things, and I just remember thinking, like, you sound so condemning because you sound like you're telling everybody that if they don't put their hands up, then they might not be worshiping God. And sometimes you're going through so much that all you can do is cry. Can't put your hands in the air, right? but you're still worshiping God. And, and here's a lot of the reason is, you know, my, my walk into faith was different than most. I don't have, my, my dad wasn't a, a preacher and that's how I inherited ministry. I, I got radically saved at about 17 years old and I became so in love with Jesus that I just wanted to give my entire life to him. I, I was cool with cleaning toilets. I was cool with whatever. I just, I had no desire to go do anything that was going to take me away from spending every waking moment of my life doing something to glorify God. And so because of that, I, I, I think I've, I've developed kind of a unique grace for people as they walk out this journey. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't into religion as much as I was just into Christianity and Christ. And I started to be a little bit more realistic about my journey. And so like, for example, when I first got saved, worship was really strange because I'm newly saved. And people are like, you know, he's washed in the blood of the lamb. And I'm like, say what? <laughs> like we're killing animals in this church? <laughs> Nobody sees a problem with that? Like wh who's, who's wearing the blood? You know what I mean? Like at what point is there a tub? Is it filled with blood? Do I have to get in it? Is that what baptism is? <laughs> Like, am I, I going to have to, you know, is it like, you know, vampire Buffy, the vampire slayer just put me in and, ah, you know, like it's nasty. Like, I don't, you know, it's just weird. You know, and they would just start saying all these things, you know, angels flying and holy and, you know, covered his lips. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, you ever worshiped with one eye open because you weren't really sure what was happening? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, What? I'm not sure that was, was that biblical? You're like looking at other people. You're like if they're okay, you got that one person that you watch and like as long as they're okay, we must be staying in bounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if they look around, I'm out. You know what I mean? So it was just, and that was the first stage. But then I learned a little bit about the Bible and I came to church enough to, to learn scripture and to hear stories and to understand. And then I went from like this strange to like this awkward stage. And here's what I mean. I'm a man, okay? I'm a man, and most worship songs, if we're honest, kind of look like they're written for women. You know what I mean? Like, I want to touch his face. What? I don't want to touch his face. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have friends that I'm like, hey, man, good to see you. Your beard looks awesome. It's not how I show love. It, it probably is from now on. So when I meet you in the lobby, if I rub your face, that's love, okay? That's what that is. 
but it wasn't like, no, you know what I mean? Like, I want to sit at his feet. You know what I mean? I, 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 like women are a little bit more, you know, when they greet each other, they hug. Hey, girl, so good to see you. Hug. You know, we're the nod, you know? <laughs> what up, man? Nod means everything, right? It can mean what's up. Been a long time. How's your mama and them? You want to fight? Yeah, it can mean anything, yeah. But there's no worship song that's like, I want to nod at my God. Wouldn't that be great? Thank you. Start writing it now. You look at the church, everybody's just like. <laughs> Lost the whole church, yeah. It's just, it, I'm just saying, it's, it's not a cookie cutter way, okay? That's what I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to set you free for a moment to know that, that how you worship is not the concern, but why you worship is the concern. And I think the more that that why grows, the more it has an impact on how, yeah. you know? I, how I show my family love changes with every season because I learn them more and I grow more. And it's the same way with God. And regardless of how we worship, here's the truth. You ready? We were all made to worship. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets really interesting because you were actually created, designed, built to worship before you were ever saved. When, when you were the worst person you could ever imagine and you had zero desire to even be in the presence of God and you hated Christians and you hated church, even in that point in your life, you were still made to worship. That's how you were designed. In fact, in case you don't know this, I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler alert. When we get to heaven, do you know what we're going to do the entire time? Worship. So if you don't like it now, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for you. You know, just kidding. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. <laughs> but that's how we're designed. Worship is our response to what we value most. See, I'm going to show you. Some of you in here go like, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to worship or I don't worship. I'm going to prove to you that you're already worshiping. You, you, already, you naturally do it. Because here's the case. If we are not worshiping our creator, there will be something that we naturally put in his place. We are so designed to worship that the question is not if we're worshiping. The question is, what are we worshiping? We, we, you've been worshiping since the day you were born. You know, I, I, here's how I know. My mom and dad told me one time, they said, you know, you didn't want to give up a pacifier when you were young. They said, we would drive miles to get you a specific pacifier. I said, your boy was already worshiping. You know what I mean? I was already in the mode. I was just worshiping a pacifier. And like every season, if you follow your life, We've always been worshipers. It's just we haven't always had the right thing in the right place that we are worshiping. Uh, give you another example. And I know a lot of you either saw this, if you heard about this, but a couple weeks ago on the Grammys, you had an individual by the name of Sam Smith come out and do this performance, and he was dressed like the devil, and people were worshiping him, right? Y'all saw this? Now, let me set a little bit of a uh, of, of a statement first. I, I don't expect unsaved people to act saved. I'm never surprised when the world acts like the world. People will come in like, did you see that? I'm like, I'm sorry, is the Grammy saved? At what point did the Grammys become the Dove Awards? You know what I mean? Like, that's not the case. So I don't expect them to get up and praise God. I don't expect it. So when they act out in sin, I go, that's what sinners do. We act out in sin. I'm not surprised by it. However, so you're not going to see me get on Facebook. I'm never going to get on Facebook. This is you. Oh, my goodness. This is going. We're all going down the, the toilet. Like, look, no, sinners are everywhere, everywhere. And sin, look, the devil is being worshiped all the time. But most of the time, it's not dressed in red with, you know, a little spiky tail and a, and a pitchfork. A lot of times it's pretty more just kind of underlining. But I bring that up to tell you this. It's proof that we are yearning to worship something. There, there, is, there is something in us that's, de that's designed to worship, and if we don't worship God, we have to worship something. And please hear me, all right? I'm not the guy that's like, you're doing fantasy football, you're worshiping the NFL, you're going to hell. I'm not that guy, all right? I do fantasy football, okay? I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's okay for you to have interest in the world. I think you also know when something has found itself in the place of God. 
I think you are completely aware of that. I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to put examples on there. There's been moments where you went, ah, put a little bit too much dependence in that. There's, there's been moments where something has got in the place of God because we're yearning. I'm sure y'all are seeing what's happening in Asbury right now. This revival that's happening, and it's kind of happening, starting to take over all these different places, that's because there's something in us that desires to worship. And we went an entire year without being able to worship corporately. I love that 23 seems to be the year that people are coming back to church. And you better believe when people who want to worship God get together and start worshiping God, something amazing happens. Sam Smith's performance lasted like four minutes. The Asbury thing has been lasting for weeks, right? Because when we worship something that isn't God, it's not going to last. But when we worship God, it is forever changing. It is impactful. It is literally going to change lives. And that's what we yearn for. We want to worship something that's meaningful. And so we search and we search and we search and we search until we're introduced to Jesus. And once we're introduced to Jesus, we go, oh, I found it. I found the one that I'm supposed to be worshiping. I found the one that I want to give everything to. I found the one I want to give my life to. I wondered why that relationship wasn't fulfilling. I wondered why money wasn't fulfilling. I wondered why that entertainment wasn't fulfilling. I wondered why that title and all that wasn't fulfilling. I was worshiping those things, but it was never enough. You ever notice how it's never enough? God always seems to be. Like we don't need much to worship God. Just get out of the room, Right? Just, I can be on a track at a gym, and as long as people won't talk to me, I can worship God. But, but all these, we got to have more money and more relationships and more intimacy to be able to worship that. Something's not right. I, I need you guys to understand that as humans, worship has always been our biggest battle. For you, as a human being created to worship God, please listen to me. Worship has always been and will always be your greatest battle. The thing that you will fight the most is that tendency to worship something other than God. You were created to worship God. The enemy doesn't want you to. That's the constant battle. The whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it begins with a battle over worship. It ends with a battle over worship. The entire aspect is a battle over worship. Satan has always wanted to turn people's worship, and preferably to himself, but anything but God will do. Did you hear me? Satan has set out from day one, his purpose towards you has been to try to turn your worship off of God onto something else. He would prefer for you to worship him, but most people see the pitchfork and the red hooks and go, nah, not going to do that. So he, he knows he might not be able to settle for you worshiping him, but if he could just turn it to something else, anything but God. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Satan approaches Adam and Eve, and his goal is to turn their worship. They are worshiping God. He says, are you sure God said that? I think God just doesn't want you to be like him because once you eat from that tree, you'll know like him, you'll see like him. Watch this. Instead of worshiping him, worship you, right? Nebuchadnezzar and his whole, whole ordeal with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys in the fire, the whole concept was to turn their worship. Don't worship your God, worship the statue of me. Remember when David's dancing butt naked? I mean, not butt naked, but he's close. <laughs> He's, at, you know, he's like your two-year-old, just coming to the bathtub, like, yeah, let's go. You know? He was having a good time worshiping God, and people said, you can't do that. You've got to turn their worship. When Satan approaches Christ in the wilderness and starts to tempt him, it's to turn his worship. He gets him up on that cliff, right? He says, see all of this? You can have it if you just worship me. It was to turn his worship. I'll give you one even crazier than that. The law. The law. The goal of the law was to turn our worship. Now, not the goal that God set, but the goal that man turned it. Because when man turned it, they made it about worshiping us. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Look how good I am. There's this natural sin tendency to want to turn worship away from God. And I just need you to be aware of it. That every moment that you wake up, the enemy's goal for that day is to turn your worship away from God. You wake up, oh God, thank you, I'm alive. 
Thank you, God, I can breathe. Thank you that I got a house. Thank you that I slept tonight. Thank you that the baby slept last night. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have two jobs. Thank you that I have three jobs. Thank you that I get to work from home. Thank you. You know, all these reasons. And what the enemy wants to do is that how can he quickly turn your worship? You wake up. Oh, let me get on Instagram. Oh, look at that person. Worship turned. You know what I mean? Let me look at the news. Worship turned. Let me wake up and think about work and stress. Worship turned. It's always been about turning our worship. How do we get it off of God and onto something else? And you're going to see why. It's really important. And therefore, leading us to this, the question is not, is our worship under attack? But why is our worship under attack? Why would it matter? Why would the enemy set out this whole plan to attack your worship? Why does that matter? Wouldn't you think he would attack our works? You ever thought about that? Like if the enemy was going to throw us off from following Jesus... Wouldn't he go after our works? Wouldn't he make us do bad things? <clears throat> but he understands that it was never about our works. That his ability to get us to do something bad doesn't change grace. It doesn't change the gospel. So the concern is not our works. The concern is our worship. Because if he can just get us at some point to stop worshiping God, because when we worship, catch this, our adoration, our dependence, our attention, and our commitment shift to him instead of ourselves. When we worship God, the moment you came in here and they started singing that you're a resurrected king who's resurrecting me. When Darla said, think about an area of your life where God's resurrecting. Here's what you did. You took your commitment. You took your adoration. You took your attention. You took your dependence. And you took it for 15 minutes. You took it off of you and you put it on God. This, this week, I just had the Lord tell me this. Worship is a worth shift. When I worship, what, the way I see worth shifts. So before I worship, I don't think I have much worth. Right? We were doing a big huddle before service, and Chris was talking about how we, and when you serve in the church, it's easy to put just in front of what you did. I just opened a door. I just watched a kid. And what do we start doing? We are devaluing our worth, right? Man, look what I did. I'm a terrible person. Oh, look at our marriage. Our marriage is terrible. Oh, look at our kids. We're terrible parents. Everything is trying to diminish our worth. And the only thing that causes that to shift is when we start to worship God. Because when we worship God, we are so elevating the goodness of God, but we can't help but realize that the goodness of God has to be on us as well. I just think it's something about music that has that ability to shift perspective, right? So, so let me give you some, some thoughts. In, in your life as you've grown up, you know how we all got music that we use when we're trying to shift attitude? You're talking about like, like if, if you all of a sudden you need to get hype for something, right? Y'all all got it. Don't, don't look at me like I'm the only person in here, all right? And don't be like, well, I listen to Casting Crown. No, you don't, all right? <laughs> I, I know you got a 21 Pilot CD in your car right now, okay? You got Tupac's greatest hits right now, all right? There, there's something you listen to that you need to shift because when you go to work out, I don't know if you work out, but everybody's got a workout playlist. You got to have some. You can't be working out talking about, oh, I love thee. You know, you can't be banging weights talking about, oh, what do you listen to? Oh, don't worry about it. I'm worshiping. You know what I mean? You got to be like, oh, you got to be punching somebody in the face. You know what I mean? You got to have a shift of something. Let me talk to my ladies for a second. Now that y'all work, don't work out, y'all work out probably better than most of these guys. But let me just talk to you. You come home from work and the kids been on, you know, bugging you. We'll, just, we'll, we'll keep it PG. They've been bugging you, and you decide to cook dinner, and so you clean everything. Get out the kitchen. Get out the kitchen. Don't let me see you. Go outside and play. It's two, two below. Go outside. Put a coat on. <laughs> and you're in the kitchen. You, guys, you know, you set the tone. You start cooking, and you put on some jazz music, right? I don't know music, so <laughs> y'all just fill in. Thank you. Nailed it. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, just fill in your own blank right there, right? You just got to have like, there's like a shift. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, you just, nobody mess it up, right? Kids come in, mom, shut up! You know you hear that saxophone. When you hear the saxophone, don't come in the house. Yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, I had different songs for different moments. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, if it was, it's so, it's so true. It's so weird. If, if it was dark and rainy outside and I was driving, for some reason I put on Rascal Flats. 
And I'm wrestling. It's like, you know, and the rain comes and the wind falls. And I'm just like looking out the window like I'm a professional singer. You know what I mean? Like I'm in a music video. Y'all ever done that before? Like you are the music video? Like, but, but if it was sunny outside, I was talking to Darla about this. I was like, man, if it was sunny outside and I had my windows down, because I had 20-inch uh, chrome rims at the time. And I was like, if the windows down, sunny, I had to put like Kanye West on. Or, or I mean, like we had to have something bumming. She's like, oh, no, that's when I did country music. She was like, when the windows are down and the wind's blowing, that was country music. You know what I mean? There's just all kinds of different songs. Like, you know, you, you want to spend time with your, with your spouse. <laughs> Next Saturday, marriage conference. Come. <laughs> You know, there's music, you know what I mean? Got to put on a little Casey and JoJo. Oh, my life. Pray for someone like you. Put that Joe in. I want to know what. Pause. Pause. Don't look. Don't do this. Don't you go holy on me right now, okay? Because y'all all got a playlist right now. You got to name it something so the kids can't find it on Spotify. You know what I mean? It's like night jams. Oh, mama, what's night jams? Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. You know what I mean? Because you, it's just something about music that just, it, 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 can, it can move us, right? Like one minute we're, we're upset and the next minute we're happy. And all we did was listen to a song. Like we, we have to quit pretending like that doesn't mean something. Like maybe God wired us and designed us that literally music could shift us. And so I had this thought. What if worship was never meant to be about preference? Well, I don't like that song. It was never meant to be about performance, but it was meant to be about perspective. What if the whole point of worship is perspective? What if the, what if the reason we do it at the beginning of a church service is to shift perspective. Because you woke up and you had to get them eye boogers out of your eyes and you were like, I hate Troy and I hate nine o'clock services. And your kid, you were like, get up, put clothes on. And you got in the car and you were yelling at them all the way here because they wanted waffles, but you made Pop-Tarts and now they're hungry, but they're not eating. And you're getting here and you walk in the door and you're dragging one kid who's crying and this kid that, and you get, you finally sit down in the seat and then somebody's going to worship Jesus. Like, can I just have a second? Can I, can we just, can we do something that could kind of shift my perspective a little bit? I could get into how giving and serving and all those things shift our perspective. It's not about us. We're not in control. But that's ultimately what it is. And here's what I want you to see. I think this is going to really help you. It's not effective to simply tell yourself to stop worrying. How many of y'all that's ever worked for you, right? You were worrying, you were full of anxiety, and you said, stop it. And you were like, okay, and you were happy. <laughs> that ever happened? No. You can't tell yourself to stop worrying, stop being insecure. Stop. Stop being self-consumed. Stop it. Okay, let's love everybody. It never happens that way. You can't do that. But what we can do is start worshiping. When we're in a moment that we want to see a shift, maybe you telling yourself to get better isn't going to work. But you starting to worship God and shift that perspective. I'll give you some examples. Remember when Paul and Silas are in prison? This is in the Bible. They're in prison, and, and they're, they're awaiting their opportunity to be, I say opportunity, they're waiting to be killed, basically. And the Bible says that they start to worship God. I think it's interesting that they don't start to go, you know what? I'm free. Stop worrying, Paul. Paul, stop stressing. Stop assuming you're about to die, Paul. None of that shifts them. But the Bible says they start to worship, and then worship starts to shake. And before you know it, they're set free. It's a shift. Now, I'm not telling you that if you go home and start worshiping, all of a sudden your rent's going to be paid. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, there is a perspective shift where you realize, you know what? I thought I was in it by myself. I thought it was only up to me. I thought God had left me. I thought it was over for me. But because I started worshiping God, I was reminded that he is near, that he is alive, that he is working and moving in my life. So it's a shift of perspective. Remember the woman who comes in and washes the feet of Jesus with oil in her hair? Notice she never, you never see in the Bible where she tells herself, stop being insecure. There's never a moment in the Bible where she tells herself, stop believing the label you've been given because it doesn't work. She just comes in and worships Jesus. And as worshiping Jesus, things start 
to shift. Because listen to me, when we worship, when we worship, we affirm the truth of God's word. And we proclaim his promises over our life in such a way that they become rooted deep in our hearts. When we worship God, we are singing the word of God over our lives. We are proclaiming his word, proclaiming his promises, proclaiming who he is, and that's got to do something in us. It has to. I was with a friend last night, and he was talking about how he'll go on his porch and, and put the scripture on, a, on reading out loud, and it's got this nice little you know, music behind it. And I just thought that was so cool because he's out there, and the word of God is just being read over him. And that's what worship is. I started thinking about certain songs because when you and I make the decision to fix our eyes on Jesus, the grip that the enemy has on our lives starts to be released. I started thinking about old songs. I'm an old soul. I've been, I've been saved 17. I'm the guy that walked into the youth group and freaked out because people had their hands in the air. And years later, I was by myself on my knees in the center aisle of our church, crying and worshiping because I got the why. You know, songs like, I wish I could sing. I would mess y'all up right now. Um, <laughs> you know, songs like, over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands for all night. That's the truth. There was a song I grew up on. This guy would say, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy. And then he came on the end and said, but help will always come in time. I needed to hear that. You know what I mean? Holy, holy, holy. Nothing but the blood. Y'all remember some of these songs? What's some songs? You give, give me a song. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. We ain't got nowhere to go. We're going to put some kids in water in a minute. Huh? Say, say it louder. Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah. I can sing that. I can sing Jesus the Messiah, not literally because I can't sing, but I'm saying that's a promise I want over my life. Y'all remember when oceans swept the world? Now when that song comes on, I run my head through a window. But it was so needed. It was so needed. Sometimes you just got to go back to the classics, you know what I mean? Sometimes you got to be reminded, victor's crown? Some of us are singing that. We don't even know what that means. Yeah, Jesus got a crown on, I guess. I don't know. He's a victor. But every high thing must come down. Everything that's above God must come down. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I will not relent all of these moments and things. Listen, I I've gotten to the point now, y'all, where the song don't even have to say much and I start crying. I got this song on my, work, on my prayer playlist. And all he says over and over again is, when I walk into the, when you walk into the room. <laughs> That's what he says. When you walk into the room. I'm like, <laughs> you're walking at the YMCA right now, Jesus. I remember I was talking to the worship team. This was years ago. And I was like, can we do this song? It's, it's moving. And they were like, Pastor, sometimes your prayer songs don't translate to the service. I'm like, y'all ain't saved enough. Come on, get it together. You know what I mean? But they were right. We tried it one time. I was like, don't ever do that again. Sometimes what God, sometimes God will do something in you through a song. I'm finding God will give me a song for a season. You know what I mean? So let me help you with this real quick. Before I tell you a story to close, let me help you with this. I wanted to give you a way to remember why you worship God. And I know you're like, do we really need to give us reasons? I get it. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes you just need, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need, I need a process. To remind me, I thought it'd be cool to take Nehemiah chapter 9 and to break down what they say through Nehemiah chapter 9 and to give you five reasons to worship God. I'm going to fly through them real quick. You ready? Number one, the first reason that we worship God is for the wonder of God. 
the one of God. Just for God being God. Like, I worship God because he's God, because he's the creator of all things. Because if you've ever been to look at the ocean or the mountains, right? If, you ever, you know, if you're a scientist or a doctor and you walk through how our bodies work, there's moments where you're like, I just worship him because he's God. Look what it said in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Watch this. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all of the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all and the angels of heaven worship you. Why? Because you're God. Because you're God. Number two is for the empathy of God. The empathy of God. Because God is near us and understands. Watch what it says in Nehemiah. I thought this was cool. You saw the mercy, you saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt and you heard their cries. Can I tell you, you worship a God that hears and knows what you're going through. You don't worship a God that says, well, if you haven't prayed today or read your Bible today, I can't be near you. You have a God that is yearning to be near you. You have a God who's like the dog that just wants to be near you. You know what I mean? Just wants to be, just want to be. He, he, he understands. Third is the integrity of God. We worship him because he does what he says. We worship him because he keeps his promises. Watch what it says in Nehemiah. Again, this is all in Nehemiah 9. You've done what you've promised, and you're always true to your word. So I worship you, first of all, because you're God. Because you're the creator of earth, you're the creator of me. I worship you because there's relationship there and you do life with me. And it's not that you're some God up in the sky that just wants me to perform, but you're there with me. I worship you because you've made me promises and you've said things in your scripture and you hold to them. You hold to them. Fourthly, I worship you because of the redemption of God. The redemption, which is us being saved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. We were all sinners, but Christ died for us so that we could, we could experience eternity in heaven. Watch what it says in Nehemiah. But in their time of trouble, they cried to you, and you heard them from heaven. And in your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. That's the gospel. God heard our cry that no matter what we did, we couldn't pay for our sins. So he sent a liberator. He sent Christ, and Christ died for our sins, and we're saved through Jesus Christ. Lastly is the deliverance of God. Let me show you what it says in Nehemiah chapter 9 about this. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. Are you glad God's patient? You sent your spirit who warned them to the prophets, and in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. So redemption is praising God for my salvation deliverance is praising God for the grace of every day. Because sometimes I don't act saved. But it's the grace. I don't know if you caught it, if you're even paying attention, but we praise him for the wonder that he's God, the empathy that he's near, the integrity that he keeps his promise, the redemption that he saved us, and the deliverance of ongoing sanctification and grace. W-E-I-R-D. I worship. Our worship is weird. When somebody tells you, man, your worship is weird, oh, you have no idea. But here's why it's weird. Because he's worthy. Because he's with me. Because he keeps his promises. Because he saved me and because of grace. You know, before Satan was cast into heaven, you know he was, he was the worship leader, right? Y'all might know that. And when he was cast out of heaven, guess what? He lost his job. Whose job? Who? Question. Who took his job? We did. We took his job. It's now our job to worship God. Thank you, God, for the wonder of God. Thank you for your empathy, your integrity, your redemption, your deliverance. Thank you. So, so let me close with this. I tell you what, everybody stand for me for a second. Worship team, go ahead and come up. If you're being baptized or you've got kids that are being baptized, go ahead right now. Get them. Let's get ready. I'm going to share one more thing before we close here. When we started this service and worship happened, you heard the song they sang, Resurrecting. 
right? You remember that? Your name, your name is victory. Some of y'all don't know this, but when we were in Memphis and getting ready to plant the church, I was praying desperately to name the church. The team that was moving here with us was like, what's the, what's the church name? Because we couldn't make merch. We couldn't do a logo. We couldn't do any, couldn't brand the church at all without a name. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be like a church that sounds like every other church. But here's what I kept saying. I want people to be able to tell their friends what church they go to without having to say the word church. Where do you go? I go to Victory. I didn't want them to have to say church. You know what I mean? And so we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And y'all know this. I do this walking and praying at the gym. And I listen to music. And a lot of times I listen to the same playlist so the music kind of drowns out. And one day I was praying for this. And, and I just felt the Spirit of God say, stop and, and worship for a second. And that song, Resurrecting, was on my headphones. And as I'm praying, I hear him say, your name, your name is victory. Never forget it. That promise made a lot of decisions for me in my life because I knew that was God speaking to me. The church that sings that song is a church by the name of Elevation. Elevation Worship sings that song. And for years, they did something called Inside Elevation, where you could go and there was some sermons and it was a conference. You could go do some breakout sessions and learn kind of how they do church and so in the early years of the church, we would take our team there. The first time we ever went, we're sitting about 10 rows up in their auditorium. It's, it's kind of stadium seating. And the countdown, and he's going, you know, and, the, and the, the countdown stops, and they go into upbeat songs, and every, you know, everybody's, oh, this is great, this is great. It dies down for a second. The worship leader talks for a second. All of a sudden, you hear that chord hit. And I knew it. And it was something surreal to be standing in the place where that song was born, being heard by the people who wrote it, and being reminded of God's faithfulness in my life. And in that moment, I went through the acronym that I just gave you in my life. I started, I was just praising God for his wonder. It's so amazing. How could you take a couple of just ordinary people just trying to serve you and move them somewhere they've never been and grow this church and survive. And God, you're so amazing. And then I kind of went from the wonder into the empathy and I started praising God for the fact that in times where I thought he was nowhere, he was right there. In times where I thought, man, we don't have the money and then God provided the money. Or we don't have the building and then God provided the building. Or we don't have the people and then God provided the people. And moments where I thought I was alone, God was near me, and then I went into the integrity of God and started going, God, you promised me this. You said this. You kept your word. You know how much it means in our culture today to have a God who keeps his word? Hey, he didn't do it the way I thought he would do it, but looking back, it's better than I could have ever dreamed of but he kept his word and then it moved into the redemption and now above all things the fact that we pastored a church is great but I was just thankful again for the fact that he saved me that a sinner in the words of Paul I think I would challenge Paul I think I'm the greatest sinner but he used me and then the continual grace and mercy and I'm looking at my wife and I'm thinking about my kids who left everything friends and family to help plant a church I'm looking at our team members that are there with us it's funny, y'all, because I'm worshiping and I'm just crying. I mean, I'm ugly crying. Ugly crying. And I sat down after the song was over and I'm so overwhelmed and my eyes hurt. I thought to myself, I wonder how many people think I'm weird. Because they came for a conference. I came to worship God. I want to challenge you for a moment. I know in a minute we're going to turn our attention to celebrating these lives with water baptism. It's going to be phenomenal. But can we just take a couple of minutes and just really worship God? I'm talking about worship Him for the wonder of who He is. Somebody in here, you know God's near you and what you're going through. Can you worship Him for the empathy? Somebody in here, God has kept his word. He's kept his promise. Can we worship him for the integrity? 
Somebody in here, you're still trying to wrap your mind around the fact that you're saved. Somebody in here, you need to be saved this morning, and now's the time. The Bible says you believe in heart, confess with your mouth, you can be saved. That can happen this morning. You can give your heart to Jesus. For some of you, you're saved, but you cannot believe and wrap your mind around the grace of God. So not only am I going to challenge us to worship right now for just a few minutes, but I'm going to challenge you to let this kind of be something that starts moving us forward in this direction. To come in on Sunday mornings, to have days throughout the week where we take that acronym and just worship through to God. Can we do that for a second this morning? Do me a favor, close your eyes. Right now, wherever you're at, maybe you want to worship him for your salvation. Maybe you want to worship him for his integrity and his promise. Maybe you want to worship him because he's God. All that he's done, the greatness of who he is. Maybe you want to worship him for his grace. Come on, let's do that this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift up our hands. We worship you, Father. Whatever it looks like, however we do it, you're glorious. You're gracious. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your grace. Come on, just begin to worship. Thank him right now for your spouse. Thank him for your kids. Thank him for his provision. Come on, worship him in this place. Thank you that he's a resurrecting king who's resurrecting you.